Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. I'm here with Dean Taylor. And uh, Dean and I, well, we've, we've done a couple video projects, I guess, back mm -hmm. uh, a few years ago. And you wrote a book, actually, called Change of Allegiance. Uh, you used to be in the military, then um, became a Christian, and started believing in non-resistance and um, the teachings of Jesus. Um, and, of course, you, you did a whole video series on this, so we'll try to cover it in one, one short okay. episode. But <laughs> basically, for, for me especially, I'm really intrigued. How did you go from being actively involved in the military and then make that decision to, to decide, okay, Jesus actually says not, not to be involved in war. What were some things that contributed to that? Like, were you just reading the Bible okay. and said, okay, let's live this out? Or did somebody else influence yeah. you? Or? It's a great question. I, you know, I was raised very patriotically. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I joined the Army, I, I did it very patriotically. And I enjoyed the, my time in the Army. And there was some certain things that I think... Um, God used in my life. One of them, interestingly enough, was about a year before the uh, scripture reading started. There was a time when, uh, I've been to Berlin twice in my life. Mm -hmm. The first time I went to Berlin was, my wife was in basic training, and I went with my mother. And when I went there, it was 1988, and it was the classic Checkpoint Charlie, the Cold oh, War oh. thing, and the concertina wire, and the machine guns, and the Russians, yeah. and the East Germans, and all that. It's very intimidating. And so I came out of that, and, but then my wife came out of the Army, and we got a, a chance to go to Berlin again, and we were there, and it's 1989. And if you know your history <laughs> from uh, 1989, uh, it was when the, the Berlin Wall was coming down, and we were right there. And it was incredible. Uh, you know, we were there and watching the same place that I was there just a year before, and now we're there, and there's literally these, these guards, you know, looking through a hole in the wall and trying to pass champagne and, 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 and trying to kiss you through there. And just there was just this feeling in the air of there's been a change. And my mm -hmm. friend even tried to, like, drive his car into the, the wall. And <laughs> there was just this sense that this wall was coming down. Mm -hmm. And I guess as I took it all in, the thing that hit me was, I guess, just simply the concept, well, what changed? Hmm. Why could have last year... I've been called on to kill these guys. They were my enemies. And this year, I'm shaking hands through a hole in the wall. And I think wow. that, that, started to, um, that started to think about that a, a few political leaders somewhere made us some decisions, and now my enemy has become my friend. So now fast forward a little bit. When uh, my wife got out of basic training um, and got to the Army, we got this double housing allowance. We went from this little house in one town into this really big, nice house in another town. And it was a great place, but the one so-called defect of the place, it was in this really pretty valley, but it couldn't get TV reception. <laughs> so for the first time in my life, I, I'm quiet, and I started to read. And at the time, we were actually in a rock band that was our job in the Army. And to be honest, wow. this lifestyle was... Uh, it was really dragging us down. It was our official job, but we were active in the evangelical church in town. Um, but nevertheless, you'd just go be playing for all these different troops, all these rock songs and all these types of things. And eventually then, hey, it'd be fun to go play at this bar. And that lifestyle really began to drag us down. Mm -hmm. And so we were just wrestling with this very superficial Christianity of you know, what does it mean? I mean, we've said a sinner's prayer, we, we were genuine, we were sincere, mm -hmm. but an idea of actually being a disciple of Jesus Christ was foreign to us. We began to read, one of the first books I read was a book uh, 
uh, by Keith Green called No Compromise. And it was just about a radical life of living for Jesus. It was about, honestly, one of the first books I'd ever read in my life. <laughs> I read like she oh, through wow. high school or, or something like that, you know. And so <laughs> it, just reading that book about somebody just no compromise. If Christ says it, I'm going uh -huh. to do that. And so we were actually up in North Germany, a place called uh, Mönchengladbach, and, and as we were there, it was a terrible thing called Fasching. The, the Germans do it before Lent. It's kind of a bunch of sinful place, and, and we were playing concerts for that. And it was just sin everywhere. And finally, my wife and I came to our hotel room, and we said, you know, we've got to either give up on this fake Christianity or take it no compromise. So praise be to God, by the grace of God, we kneeled in our hotel room and completely surrendered our lives over to Jesus Christ. Hmm. And when we got up, we had this banner over our head, no compromise, we're going to live for Christ. First thing we did was get out of the rock band. That was relatively easy. Hmm. Um, there's always people waiting for a job like that. But then I, it was, I was reading, and we began to read different things at, this, at nighttime. We'd read to each other, you know, get excited about something we're reading. And I'll never forget the night I was reading to my wife. I looked over at Tanya and I said, Tanya, let me just, I want you to have a completely open mind. And I want to read something to you. And I was reading from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And as I began to read that, I said, okay, now I want you to stay open. And she's looking at me kind of weird going, okay, all right, you know. And I said, okay, here's what he says. He says, you have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if a man shall sue thee at the law and take away your coat, let him have your cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him too. Give to him that asketh, and for him that would borrow from thee, turn not away. You have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And I looked over at her and I said, so what do you do with that? And she goes, it sounds pretty simple. And I said, yeah, that's the problem. We're in the army. So you ask the question, you know, what different sources? Well, you know, I was raised with this concept. I mean, everybody thought this way. I didn't know of anybody that took these teachings literally. So I went to the chaplain and I said, you got to help me with this. So he gave me a book written by the head of the chaplain corps on the just war theory. And I went, ah, this is so good. The theologians got this figured out. So I began to read that book and I said, okay, this is going to explain why this obviously says this, but for, you know, a long time, it looks like in all history, um, we're not doing this. They'll explain it. So I began to read that book and by the time I got to the end of the book, I was scared. I was scared because before I read the book, I just assumed everybody has good answers. When I heard the good answers, I went, hmm. wow, we're in trouble. Because these are terrible <laughs> answers. Because Augustine and the four, and he mentioned this whole concept of the first 300 years of the church in the book. He said, yes, they all talked that they were pacifists and they, they loved their enemies, but they were very naive. They were very childlike. It was the further the, uh, theologians like Augustine and, and the different ones that really gave us this just war theory. And I started thinking, well, so it, for 300 years, people just believed Christ, and now it's different. So mm -hmm. that began to, uh, to shape us. And, and I began to, to realize, well, I'm going to have to take this more seriously. Uh, now, again, by the grace of God, there was a kind of a radical bookstore in town. And he was a bad businessman. And he went out of business and sold all of his radical books to the local evangelical bookstore in town. 
And so I went in there and there was things by Mennonites. I, had, I found the Mars Mirror. I found things on the early Christians. Oh, wow. uh, I, and I, I saw stuff from David Verseau on the early church. And as I began to read these things, I was like, wow, so I'm not crazy. There has been other people that have hmm. thought this way. That worked out really well for <laughs> you. Really wow. well. Yeah, wow. it worked out really well. Wow. Yeah. So, so after a lot of time of searching, and obviously you came under that conviction of, you know, love our enemies, military is not the correct mm. path to take. Well, then the question is, did you really have to get out of the military? Like, mm -hmm. couldn't you just take a non, you know, non-combat position or something? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, and, and the whole thing was a journey. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. there was, mm -hmm. uh, we were studying these things. We, we began to, and, and also at this time when it was first starting, there was no Persian Gulf War even yet. There was, we had gone through a relatively long time of peace. And so I began to talk to my different Christian friends and, and they'd say, Dean, you're, I remember one literally said, Dean, you're asking questions that should never be asked. Oh. And I said, I'm not comfortable. What do you do with this? And I began to ask these huh. things. Even my first sergeant began to get nervous. He took me out of the, being an armor. Um, I was an armor also other than a musician. Wow. And, uh, and it, like, for instance, one time uh, as I was working my way through this, one of the books I was reading was a book called 20 Hot Potatoes That Christians Are Afraid to Touch by Tony Campolo. And as I was reading that, he had this, this idea on what would Jesus do. And I had this job as the armor to install M203 grenade launchers onto machine guns. And as I did that, I remember asking the question, what would Jesus do? But I thought, oh, it's, it's confusing, and I was working my way through. Um, hmm. and eventually, then, this, this, we started hearing about Saddam Hussein. We started hearing about things. Things started going really uh, crazy around there. And finally, I realized we, we came into a room. And the first sergeant called us all in there to have what he was going to call a deadly force briefing. And he said, he's given us all these military assignments. And he said, and if somebody comes in here, he pointed to me, he looked right at me. <laughs> he said, you must use deadly force to, to protect this particular area. And so I realized, okay, my, my funny theology is now going to have to, I'm going to end up getting somebody else hurt. Hmm. And so, you know, as I thought through that, I'm... I actually wrote to, it was Herald Press, and I, and I wrote him a letter, and we said, we're two soldiers, we don't know what to do, we're just going to go. We're going to go AWOL. They, I sent this letter wow. to them. This is before, you know, this is the 1900s, this is before email. Yeah. You know, so we, we sent this letter to, <laughs> yeah. to them, yeah. they forwarded it to uh, Mennonite Central Committee in Lancaster County. Um, they sent it wow. to some, some uh, counselors over in Germany, and they really helped us to get us out. But your, your question about did you have to get out, the, the thing that with the military that I began to understand more and more was not just a matter of non-resistance of not killing, but to be a part of the cure for humanity. That Jesus ah, is teaching uh -huh. to love your enemies. Non-resistance is, is a passive word. It, it's kind of, I heard one theologian say, uh, John Howard Yoder, he once said, calling it non-resistance is like calling marriage um, non-adultery. <laughs> you know, yeah. we are to run to this, giving the cure of Jesus Christ to humanity. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be part of that, and I wanted to be part of that kingdom. I, I still love my country, and I love to be uh, honorable and, and upright to my country. But this concept of these two kingdoms made the difference. Instead of the, the doctrine of non-resistance just being uh, by itself, don't kill, the two kingdoms, the kingdom mm. of God and the kingdom of of the world began to be something that really, that really worked on me. 
and how they interact. Matter of fact, one of the funny stories, the, the, the most confrontational person that I went to was a psychologist. When you become conscious objector, <laughs> you have to do several things. You've got to write a paper, you've uh -huh. got to speak to your commander, of course, you have to go see a chaplain, you have to see a psychologist, you have to do a court trial, then wow. they send your paper to, the, to somewhere in the States where I was in Germany, and then they make the decision. And the psychologist was only supposed to see if I was mentally able to stand trial. I go in there, and she says, to answer your question that you're just asking me, she says, um, you can come on in, but you don't even need to sit down. And I said, hmm. okay, why? She said, because I've got you. And I was like, wow, this is weird. I said, what do you mean you've got me? She said, I've got all you conscious objectors. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, okay, I'll ask you two questions. There were some of you conscious objectors in here the other day. She said, I'll ask you two questions. Um, you say you went out of the army because you can't support what the American forces are doing. Is that correct? And I said, yes, ma'am, that's correct. She said, okay, next question. Do you believe in paying your taxes? And I said, well, yes, ma'am, I believe in paying, your t paying my taxes. She said, see, you're inconsistent. Absolutely, you have, you have no, no basis. Oh, uh -huh. I was a new Christian, but I thought, okay, Lord. And I said, well, ma'am, here's something I need to explain to you. And you may not understand this, but I live by the way of a book and a teaching of Jesus Christ. And this teaching teaches me to love my enemies and to pay my taxes. And so I don't necessarily have to understand all the details of that, but I do need to obey it. And suddenly, she got really upset with that, and she started to say, do you, under, do you know who I am? And she began to explain all the volunteer things she does and going through all this. I, I volunteer, I'm a Sunday school teacher, I do this, and I kid you not. And then she said, and besides all that, I am a card-carrying Methodist. <laughs> and I should have done this, I was young and stupid. And I, I said, ma'am, could you just repeat all that? And she got really mad and kicked me out of the room. But her concept of this, of this, of this two kingdoms is very important. And so while I, I believe mm -hmm. in the doctrine of non-resistance, I, I don't want to embrace it just as a, a, a negative view, but be a part of the cure for humanity that uh, brings yeah. in righteousness, yeah. brings in peace, brings in the theology of martyrdom, brings in the cross to a world mm -hmm. that's hurting. Then the question is, after, after you went through that whole process, you know, mm -hmm. all those things you had to do to become conscientious, conscientious objector, what was the response of you know, your friends in the military, okay. your yeah. commanders, and then more importantly than that, your family. That was tough. In some ways, mm -hmm. it's still tough. Uh, I really f wanted people to talk me out of it. One of the first things I did wow. is, is I went to mm. my Baptist teach. I had a great job, and I, yeah. I went to my pastor, and I said, can you help me with this? And, we, and my wife and I, we showed him the scriptures. I said, help me with this. And he said, you're not changing my mind. I said, no, no, I want you to convince me why <laughs> Jesus didn't say he, he says this. To the chaplain I went to, one of my things you have to do is see a chaplain, yeah, yeah. an official visit. And I went there and I, and I said, honestly, I said, you've been to seminary school. You've been to all these things. Can you look me in the eyes and, and look at the scriptures and tell me that I'm wrong for taking Jesus' words like this? And he said, honestly, I can't. Wow. But so the, 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 my, my, my pastor, after I, I, I tried to talk to him, eventually said, you know, I think you'd be more comfortable worshiping elsewhere. It hurt. Mm. I mean, it was good for me. I needed to hear that, but it hurt. Mm. My father was really tough. Um, he's very patriotic. We were growing up in the South and, and, you know, going to Confederate war sites and this type of thing was my, my childhood. I've seen my father cry twice in my life only. Once was when he told me that his father died in a car accident when I was very little. The other was when I told him I was going to be a conscious objector. It was very hard. 
And mm. I, I think, you know, every son desires to have the blessing of his father over him. And mm -hmm. yeah, that was tough. It, it was really tough. It still is tough. We have a great relationship, but it, it was tough. My Christian friends, interestingly, at the end, one of them who was really against me at the very end, he came to me and said, you know, if you would have waited on me, I would have went with you. And some of them wow. longed to like wow. see this. At the time it was, no one thought this way, but the war causes a soldier to think about it. See, for most people, it's a theological issue. It's, well, whether you view of this view of baptism or that, yeah. It's, yeah. you know, but when you're a soldier, it becomes either you shoot somebody and you're a good guy, or you shoot somebody and you're not a good guy. And it becomes very serious. Um, but perhaps the most interesting change I saw in someone was the very man who gave us our, our, our court trial. He was a, a young, uh, um, very articulate African-American lawyer, a, a JAG office, for the, and he's in charge. Oh. Uh, and he, he just had, he had a, a very good presence about him, and he was very articulate, and he, was, and he drilled me with everything. We each had to go on, on, on our own. Uh, my wife had to go in on her, her own, and my, um, I, I did each this. We helped this other two, and they did. And you have to answer all these questions. They asked about this war, about hunting, about what, all kinds of stuff they asked you questions about. Yeah. But it seemed yeah. like that his, 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 his questions began to be almost leading. You know, I, I remember one time he asked me, so, you know, you believe in, you said you're getting persecuted a little bit with this and that, you know, do you, do you uh, like that? And I showed him the scriptures. And, and as we testified to him and, and gave him our, our heart of what we, what we believe, we tried to just let everything be real, not scripted, but real, and just tell our mm -hmm. testimony to mm -hmm. him. Well, it was actually eight months after that till it's all said and done. The, the first Persian wow, Gulf War is over. A, <laughs> Since then, we're, we're, we're left into some kind of um, oh, menial jobs and awaiting the, the decision. Mm -hmm. And until that time, uh, they, there's an agreement that they don't make you do anything until they make the decision. So we had all these you know, menial type of jobs, and finally the, the Persian Gulf War over, and now the, finally the time he's called us back into the office. So we come up there, the four of us, I'm a sergeant, and we come up there and we come up there and say, okay, yes, sir, we're here to report, you know, and he has these four manila envelopes on the table. He says, okay, I have your, your results for conscious objector on this. And we said, okay, and he said, but hey, the war's over. I have the authority just to completely wash these away, and you can go back, you've got a great job, and you can continue oh, wow. your career. And so, of course, we're all thinking, he's trying to let us off easy, you know, um, so, but I looked at the others and I knew what they were thinking. They said, no, well, sir, we feel very clear that we want to go forward. Mm -hmm. He said, well, I thought you'd say that. Well, I just want to let you know you've all been approved to be conscious objector. <laughs> so wow. we kind of, you know, rejoiced in sort of a, you know, a military way. <laughs> but then he stopped us. He said, but wait, he said, there's, there's something else that I now need to tell you. There's something else that I need to tell you. He said, I too now am leaving the army for the very same reason. It's, it's one of the most stunning moments in my entire wow. life. And so this is what I've come to find out, is that people from my background, people in America, have never really taken Jesus seriously. That's why I like to say, what if Jesus really meant every word he said? Yeah, yeah. You know, in Matthew chapter 13, it talks about the kingdom of heaven being like a seed, and that once it gets into us, it grows. If anybody takes the words of Jesus seriously, and believes that he meant what he said, and that it's meant to be practiced today mm -hmm. in just a seed form that will grow in you and grow in you until finally you, you just can't stop it. It's the grace huh. of God.
<laughs> wow. So that was wow. impressive. I, you know, since then we've been on a journey and God's still working in us and uh, mm -hmm. we've tried to have good relationships with different people and from different, you know, perspectives. But um, I have seen that God's promise is true that when you give up lands and families and, and things on this yeah. earth, yeah. that you'll receive a hundredfold in this earth with persecution. And I have found that uh, coming into the entire Anabaptist world, again, many different denominations of that Anabaptist world, lands and friends and family in, in several different ways at a very deep level. And I'm, I'm very blessed that it was, a, it was a good decision. So you don't regret your decision? <laughs> yeah. No, I really don't. It was the most life-changing thing um, ever happened to me. And wow. the biggest thing was that as if over the scriptures, particularly over the words of Jesus, it's, it's as if, I don't think I heard anything audibly, but it's as if Jesus was just saying, I mean that. Hmm. And that's been something that I've tried yeah. to live out ever since. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, just, just I, I have to ask this other guy that decided to become a conscientious objector through your testimony. Have you ever followed up on him? It's a great like, question. People ask yeah. me that often. Okay, so we were stunned. Um, so afterward, now he was an officer and mm -hmm. we were enlisted. Uh, and so afterwards, we got home, we asked the same question. Wait a minute, we got to go do something. Yeah, so yeah. So we got a few of our books and we tried to go talk to him. But we were, uh, we tried to, in those days, I don't know if it's still this way, but the officer quarters were fenced off and an enlistment, enlisted men cannot get into the officer quarters. Okay. Uh, and so we couldn't get in there. They wouldn't let us into this place. And so we didn't. Then they gave us like 10 days to get out of the country. And next thing you know, our life was on a roll and I, I we never got to. So I, wow. I have wondered frequently. Now, it's a little different for an officer. There's ideas of uh, renouncing your commission and different things like that. Um, wow. But it was, yeah, I've, I've wondered that myself many times. Like, how'd that yeah. story end? Maybe yeah, he'll that, see this video exactly, and send you an email. Exactly, letter, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's amazing, though. Like, wow. Yeah, it really was. Wow. Yeah. Well, then, because I don't, I don't know who all is going to watch this, but maybe there's someone out there who is also considering taking the same path you did, you mm -hmm. know, by following these teachings of Jesus and, and is making that decision to leave the military, mm -hmm. what would you say to them? You know, I would say that, you know, keep yourself completely grounded in Jesus Christ. You know, one of the, the biggest things that troubled me is when we were becoming conscious objectors mm -hmm. is that some people were doing this, I don't know, in sort of a, I don't know, a hippie peacenik kind of a way. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. and, and you can actually hold on to a doctrine of non-resistance, but miss Jesus. And, uh, or just be some sort of a theologian or this type of thing. Jesus has these answers for us, and non-resistance is part of it. It's, it's not the entirety. There's, there's the whole teachings of Jesus Christ. Allow yourself to be permeated by the teachings of Jesus. If, think of your life and bring yourself before Jesus Christ. And like me, I don't, remember Jesus said, unless you're born again, mm -hmm. you won't see the kingdom of God. I honestly believe that when Tanya and I kneeled in that hotel room up in, in uh, North Germany and completely surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, we were allowed then to see the kingdom, to understand the kingdom. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So if there's sin in your life, if, the, if you're living a compromised life, first of all, get right with God. Get right with God and allow Him to, to save you from your sins. And then from that, become a true follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple mm -hmm. of Christ and allow all the teachings to saturate you. As far as the details of war and to, 
I, I've heard so many great testimonies um, of different brothers that have written me um, through the different thing. Uh, and, and, and it's such a fun journey. Mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. when, you, when, when your eyes open to this, it, it's like the whole Bible comes alive in a new way and, and it begins to give you this excitement. And share your faith. Share your faith there in the Army, mm -hmm. in the Marine Corps, uh, Air Force, where you are. And also I will give you advice that there's help. Um, I will say that when they forwarded our letter to the um, the Mennonite Central Committee, and there's other organizations that have helped us. There's people out there that know the regulations. And I tell you, those mm. two counselors, Andre and Kathy Stoner, they knew the regulations. So when I came, and the first time and we saluted and said, sir, we're here to present our application for conscience objector, because of those counselors, I laid the regulation 600-43 right there on the desk. And I said, these are the regulations that guide the whole process of becoming conscious wow. objector. We had our act together because of those counselors. So I will say there is help that can be, mm -hmm. that can be uh, received through that. Claim the promises. What are the quick things? <laughs> sure. When sure. we were about to go to the trial, Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the Midnight Central Committee sent us this little, they have a little white book, which is a great book, on um, how to answer the typical questions they, t they ask you this. And we were, we were, the four of us were looking through this, and, and all of a sudden I said, hey, wait a minute. Jesus said, when you're brought before magistrates, do not prepare beforehand what you shall say, but the Holy Spirit will give you utterance. So let's chunk this book and just go and testify of what wow. God has done in our life. We did that, and I think that that made of a difference. Uh, we weren't just uh -huh. giving pat answers, we were telling what Jesus had done in our life. And that's the important thing. If you go through all this and you just become a conscious objector and don't know Christ genuinely, you're wasting your time. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a really good note to end yeah. on. You know, this all circles back around to Jesus. Like, that's it what does. it's all about. Amen, Man. amen. Wow, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, yeah. for sharing your story. And for all of you watching, um, make sure and get his book. It's a, it's a really, really good book. A Change of Allegiance, well. you can get yeah. that on Scroll Publishing and yeah. different things. Yeah. Thank you everyone for watching. Thank you very much, Dean, for sharing your story. If you have any, any thoughts or inputs or opinions on what was shared today, make sure and email us or let us know. Maybe we'll do a follow-up episode on this at some point. And, uh, and I would like yeah. to say, please pray for me. Mm -hmm. The journey is not over. Mm -hmm. You know, I've made the decision to try to follow the teachings of Jesus in reality in my life. And that's been my journey. But please, if you think of it, pray for me, pray for my family, that we'll, we'll stay on this journey to follow mm. Christ. <laughs> Sounds like quite the journey. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you again, everyone, for your attention. And um, we'll see you guys in the next video. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We invite you to join our monthly partner program. Monthly partners are key to the financial sustainability of Anabaptist perspectives. Partners also gain access to bonus content, including our exclusive podcast where we respond to audience questions and comments. Sign up at anabaptistperspectives.org.